It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome back to a vibrant last word on Spurs in a weekend that has seen Man City drop points, Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United all slip up. Tottenham Hotspur made it three wins in a row under Jose Mourinho with a nervy ending to that result against Bournemouth at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Delighted to have back on this show with me, Tottenham Hotspur legend Mickey Hazard. Joining myself and Mickey, pleased to also have back on the show as usual, John Mannins. Joining myself, John and Mickey, pleased to also have Mr Positivity, Lee McQueen, back on the show to review the win against Bournemouth and to also look ahead to Manchester United to come at Old Trafford on Wednesday night. Enjoy the show. about in the first half what he brings to a team that's what he brings that run again the back four of Bournemouth getting caught to the South Korean coming in the back post is Mick, it's been a bit of a mad week for you because, you know, your kidney stopped working as a kidney stone was blocked. How have you been, Mick? You've had the operation. A lot of fans want to know how you're getting on. Have you recovered OK? Yeah, no, the operation was a success. They did what they had to do. I mean, um, I'll have to go back in for another operation to take. The, they put a stent in to enlarge the, the pathway. So that was a success. Unfortunately, it, you know, they leave, it leaves a lot of pain, a lot of bruising, a bit of sickness. And... Um, you need to go to the toilet every 10 minutes, so I might have to dash off. <laughs> uh, but no, 
overall, I'm really good. Um, just in a quite a bit of pain, but hey, you know, you live your life in pain at times as a footballer. So, um, and we support Spurs, so that's a lot of pain. Oh, don't um, say that again. But, but um, no, uh, everything's fine. You know, I'll be a, I'll be recovered in a two or three days' time, no pain, and and ready to go and play golf. Oh, I'm ready to go down the stadium, hopefully, Mick, or, or that Man United game coming up. We've got some big games coming. I have to ask you, Mick, about the one we've just had. Again, another win for Tottenham. And you look at it, Mick, a full first week into Jose Mourinho's reign, three wins in a row, qualify for the Champions League knockout stages, already half the gap from the top four from 12 points down to six, Ali back to his best. So Soko's even scoring. What a crazy week, Mick. Absolutely crazy. And I, I've got to say, first of all, can I just say, you know, Pochettino... What a job he's did at Spurs. Um, he's been brilliant for us. He's taken us to a new level. Um, he's brought the club back and gave us something to be proud of. He's, a, he's an incredibly lovely, lovely man too. So sad to see him go. But if you're going to let a manager of that ilk go, then you must follow it up with a, a, a top-notch signing. And getting the best manager in the world, the most charismatic manager in the world, was an incredibly great move by Tottenham. Incredibly ambitious move. Um, so I think that we, um, while we miss, we will miss Pochettino. Um, we also have to accept that we've brought a, a, a serial winner in. Um, and if he achieves anything at this club, like he has at any all these other clubs, then we as fans will be absolutely ecstatic. And certainly the first week has been one of, um, it's been crazy. You know, you go away to West Ham, you win in three nil. You bring them back in the game and, and defend poorly, let them get two goals. And, you know, at 3-0 out, you see the game out easily. It's, it's not hard at 3-0 up because the pressure's off. You can just keep the ball and, and see out time. Um, and we can see two late goals and, and, and almost throw three points away. We then go 2-0 behind it um, against the Olympiacos. Um, and I thought it was a fantastic substitution by Mourinho um, to bring Ericsson on. Not that Ed Ericsson made a massive impact on the game itself, but it became another tacking option that, that we made um, that got them on the back foot. They were better going forward than they were defending. So we got them on the back foot then because we had another body attacking and ran out comfortable for two winners. And I thought it was a lot to do with the substitution, not the, not the influence of the substitution, but just the fact that it, it created a scenario where we had more bodies going forward. And then on, on Saturday, I wasn't at the game, sadly. I was in hospital having operation, but 3-0 um, up, um, cruising. Um, at that stage, dominating the game. Should have comfortably gone on and won five or six. Um, didn't. And, and then again, we allowed them back into the game and made it uh, a much more stressful operation for me than I would have had if they'd held on to 3-0. <laughs> so, all in all, a great first week for Mourinho. Um, quite a crazy week. I'm sure he's not experienced anything like it. Um, Ten goals in three games and conceded six. Um, I don't know if he's ever did that in his managerial career, uh, but certainly long may it continue. If we can always win 3-2, 4-2, I'll take that over 1-0 any day of the week. I bet you will. Listen, we've got so much to talk to you, Mick, about the, about the new head coach, about Tottenham style of football. We're going to bring it on. But, John, Chelsea were 12 points ahead pre-Jose coming in at Tottenham. It's down to six now with Chelsea coming to Tottenham in a few weeks. And if all goes to plan, we could well be back in this top four race before the turn of the year. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I don't think we was ever out of it. As soon as I know it's easy to say that a week on from what's happened and the way Mickey just described it, you know, it has been perfect, really. But it was so early in the season. I never thought that we we couldn't finish in the top four. I think we definitely can. And 
as you said, you look at the points totals now and it, it paints a much rosier picture than it did a week ago. And just for, you know, you've got to consider as well, all right, we've, we've got some silly points at home so far, but we've got to play Chelsea twice. We've got, uh, we've got Man United, obviously, on Wednesday. But all the, all the, um, the other toughest games, I suppose, we've played away already. So Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City, we've played them away, so we've got them to come at home. And hopefully, you know, we take some points off them at home and we, uh, we end up back in the promised land of the Champions League, which is where we need to be. Indeed, I agree with that one. And Lee, a third win in a row, as we've said, for Jose Mourinho in this new era. It's also two goals a game conceded during them. One end is clearly working, the other isn't quite yet. It's a crazy train. Get on the crazy train. And <laughs> Mickey's already said it, it's been a crazy, crazy week. We are on this crazy ride. Ten goals scored, six conceded. That When Jose, in his, in his second season at Chelsea, when he won the title for them the first time around, um, he conceded 15 goals in an entire season during Chelsea. And in three games at Spurs, he's conceded six. So so the reality is, it is, it is going to be knee drilling. It is going to need a Jose drilling on, on that defence. I think we all know that. Look, nothing's perfect. But what a week. What a start. I mean, I've always been the one that's been sat, sitting there like Mr. Positivity. And this show tonight going to ooze positivity, as, as I <laughs> tweeted out earlier. The reality of the situation is you're right back in the mixer. Um, where, where, you know, a week ago, 10 days ago, it was all doom and gloom. And now all of a sudden, we, we're having a sniff at third, we're only nine points off a third. Brilliant. There's a lot of work to do, and I think Jose will get there. And, and I, what, what I will say, and I've been very consistent with this, to be fair, is I still wouldn't have, regardless of what all of you are going to say to me now, I still wouldn't have the contract levels anywhere near the first team. Uh, Mickey, obviously, you've been a legend at the football club y- yourself, so it might be different from a player's point of view. But, you know, it does feel like that Toby... Is, is likely going to sign a new contract. It does feel like that Yan may get offered one. And, you know, to be fair, without Yan in the defence yesterday, we, we'll probably draw that game. But I still wouldn't have them anywhere near the first team if they're going to be leaving. Um, and, and that's the only downer that I would put on Jose's reign so far. But other than that, um, fantastic so far. Mm. Steve Baum says they say 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline with Spurs it seems like even 3 or 4-0 is dangerous with us but if you've been there over the years you'll know even 4-5-0 up you can never be safe being a Tottenham fan but that's where Mourinho's going to come in and hopefully change that factor for us but Mick relief is probably the overwhelming factor at that final whistle because Mourinho's 100% record does continue in another goal-laden affair there's plenty to like, but it should never have been that close. But for anyone, Mick, that was expecting the new man to come in and destroy the club's tag of the Tottenham way and replace it with dull, efficient but brutal football, that's currently looking far from the case, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Of course it is. And I'm not sure that the tag fits anyway. I think that um, he's a very good tactician. He's very good defensively and, and, and organising the team. And at the end of the day, that's what we need. We have great attacking players and it's fantastic to see Deli Ali back on top form. Um, you know, we've got great attacking players that can score goals. Son, Kane, um, Deli, Mora. We've got goals all over the team. So you look at it and you say, right, what does this team, you know, I look back to the Klinsman years under Ordiles, Ozzy Ordiles, and, and unbelievable attacking team. It really was. You know, they could go away and win 5-3 and, or lose 5-3. You know, and, and that's what Mourinho specialises in. Now, if he can do something like what we were two or three years ago, where we were the best defence in the league, um, God, we're going to win a lot, lot, lot more games than we're going to lose. So, yeah, uh, he might well have this tag, but I hope he gets that tag back because we need to really get our defence of shape uh, and organisation better than it is. You know, and um, 
six goals in three games, not good enough for a team challenging for Champions League and the Premier League. Um, but if we can get it right and become hard to beat first, then that gives us the platform to attack even more and get even more goals. So, um, no, I think he's got a big job on his hands because it's, it's, it's happened all season. But if any man can do it, he can. He, he, you know, he, hasn't, he doesn't get this tag as a great defensive coach for nothing. Um, he's got it because he's great at doing it. And I'm sure uh, next time we see them play, um, he will have helped improve us defensively. He knows we've got goals. And he, that's what he's going to be working on continuously. Defend, and it's not just the defence, it's the, the old team. You, you know, you defend from the front. Um, and that's something that I, I don't think we've did as well as when Pochettino first arrived, defending from the front. If we get that back into our game, wow, we could be a force. Defences win titles. Yeah, you, you might go and play, you know, win 5-3, swashbuckling football, maybe go and win a cup, uh, playing that sort of way. But defences win titles. Absolutely. You only have to look at Liverpool um, in what they've done. You only have, look, have a look at Man City. Man City score 100 goals a season, but they also seldom let in more than 25, maybe 30. Do you see what I mean? So that, that, that goal ratio is a defence piece. Look at Leicester City. Um, I don't know if it is, it's changed now because we're recording after they've just won tonight. Um, but, uh, but previous to tonight's game, they they had one of the best defensive records in the Premier League, um, even over Liverpool. I think they've conceded less goals than, than any anyone else. So, you know, and that's why they're doing so well. For example, so defenses, you know, what everyone says, defenses win titles. That's that's the reality, isn't it? Mm, no, it is. And John, you know, Mourinho's only had six sessions in just 10 days to work on that defence. But where he has got them believing again is up front. Once we go over that halfway line, there's nothing of a concern. We'll definitely score plenty. But it is the carnage in the rearview mirror that is going to be the problem, isn't it, for us, John? And he needs to try and fix. As you said, three games in such a short space of time. He's not had much time to work on anything, I don't suppose. But the one thing you can see that he has done is given confidence to the attackers. I think we, all, we look dangerous every time we break now. We, we looked a little bit ponderous yesterday towards the end, but I think that was purely because we were comfortably in the lead and and uh, maybe maybe they weren't as clinical as they, they could have been. But the thing is, we're creating chances again. That's that's the that's the, the most pleasing thing for me. Every time we cross the halfway line, we looked like we were going to score in that second half. And it, it happened again yesterday. All right, it took a while to get our first shot on target. It was actually Delhi's goal that put us one nil up. But the confidence running through the team at that time. You see Toby picking out that ball. He's done it twice yesterday. And that's something that had been missing from his game for, for quite a while. And I think that you, you get a new manager walking in through the door. It gives everyone a kick up the bum. The malaise that had set over the club has been lifted. And it allows players to represent themselves in a proper way and show the world what they can do again and what they're capable of. Especially under a manager like Mourinho who's been followed around by the comment he made about us all those years ago about parking the bus and I know Jason was worried about that style of football creeping into the way we're going to play and obviously so far that hasn't happened. It's been quite the opposite. Mm. He's, he's actually been the predictable one so far in as much <laughs> as we've gone 3-0 up two consecutive Saturdays and conceded two goals in the 73rd minute and two goals in the 96th minute, would you believe? Give him chance. If you'd have had pre-season, we wouldn't have started the, the season off conceding six goals in three games. I know that for sure. The only the only thing from that point of view that worries me slightly is we don't have a week off until, I think, after the 15th of December. It's pretty much three games a week for his first month. And Lee, it's pretty clear which part of our game need working, but are you confident Marino can sort out of defence over the coming weeks and months after, like say John says there, some crunch fixtures to come for the football club? He's a winner. He's a serial winner. You don't win what he's won and 
be able to sort out the defence, even though it might be at, at Tottenham and nothing's ever easy at Spurs, is it? As we we said off air a minute ago, but but the reality is, yeah, I've got I've got every faith in in, in him to uh, to be able to do that, and I think that he he demands a level of work throughout, and I think Mick, you just said it as well, you know, defending from the front, maybe uh, Poch's second and third season, the title challenging seasons, we were very good at, at, at um, uh, leading from the front, you know, defending from the front, Kane, you know, in people's faces, and actually just in his first game under Mourinho, time he got booked this season, I don't know if everyone picked that up against West Ham, Kane got a yellow card, it was the first yellow card, because he was putting himself about, and he was, you know, maybe it was in subconsciously, it was because of his ankle, and he wasn't putting himself about as much before, but he, he certainly did that game, so he started to push that that on. I, I do think that we're we're become more difficult to beat, but there's there's nothing there's nothing there's no better form of defence in some instances when you've got the talent that we have than attack. And like John just said, you know we we do look a threat going forward. I mean, Belly yesterday being more clinical, I thought he was brilliant. But being more clinical, he could have had five himself. Um, you know, he definitely should have had a hat trick when we ping that ball. It just come out to him, and you just you just thinking, just put that in the top corner. Um, he just got under a little bit. So, you know, I think that the, the football's the football's been good. I think that we do need to we do need to learn very quickly to manage them games because, with the greatest of respect to West Ham. Um, and Bournemouth, where their confidence as a team will be really low anyway. So to go 3-0 down um, and then for both of them teams to get a couple of goals in the minutes that John's just talked about, that is a worry. You know, you, you go to, I mean, we go to Man United on uh, on Wednesday. Obviously, it's his old club, all that sort of stuff. I'm sure we'll get into it. But Rashford's on fire. And, you know, although they're vulnerable, you know, you, you don't want to be giving Man United an opportunity to get back into the game at home. So, you know, we do need to shore that up. It'd be interesting to see what he does. I think the only last thing on that that one point that you said there, Rick, about um, about the defence is that it's the, it's the contract situation. Now, Ore seems to have a, a new lease of life at the moment, so that, that's fine. And he is contracted, even though he wanted to leave, and he's one of my contract rebels. The the, the other, you know, the um, Vertonghen and Toby Oliver will know that they can leave. You know, start talking in in what in a month's time they can start talking to um, to foreign clubs. So that's that needs to be sorted out asap because for me, if they're going to leave, he shouldn't be planning. No, well, let's talk about a selection, Mick, and bring it back round to you because Spurs made three changes from the result in midweek with Yamba Tongan, Sissoko, and Tungi Undumbele in for Danny Rose, Harry Winks. And Lucas Mora. So far, Mick, he's kept a reasonably settled side. Do you think that's one of the positives as to why he is achieving results by keeping a more consistent team? Absolutely. I'm a I'm a sort of non non believer in the rotational system. I think that um, from a player's perspective, or certainly from how I used to think in my day, it doesn't help development. You know, you can play great, uh, and then the next game you're rested because someone else. That's the obvious goal. You know, I mean, three games to go of the season and you're getting rested. It's ludicrous. And so I'm a non-believer in the rotation. I think that you play your best 11 players as often as you can. Um, and you might you might rotate one of the two of the peripheral players, you know, the ones who are not guaranteed a first-team place or, or, or just not quite good enough. So you rotate them. But your best players, your best... Eight or nine players should be on the pitch every single week, as far as I'm concerned, um, and that's that. Then b- uh, breeds uh, a familiarity um, in your teammate. You know, 
you learn what their strengths are. You get used to playing together. You understand where one's going to be in certain situations. You understand where you have to be. Um, whereas when it's continuously rotated, you never quite get an understanding. And I feel like that's how our um, defensive players looking over the period of this season. We just look so disjointed defensively and, and so many gaps between, uh, big gaps between uh, sections of the team is, is incredible. And uh, one player drops, one player pushes up. Uh, you know, when, well, when you're playing regularly with the same back four, for instance, they, they tend to get a much better understanding and, and top, top teams tend not to rotate uh, their key players. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't rotate, not at all. Not at all. Questioning Mick from Dustin, who says, what are your thoughts on the pairing of Sanchez, Toby and El Yan at left back? Could that work long term or is he just working with what he's got for the moment, Mick? Well, I don't know how he's thinking, but I think that Yan's a, a top, top, top player. He really is. And, and while I think he's a, he's a better centre-back, he's also a very, very good left back. I think, it, what, 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 was it against the... the Bruce Dortmund last year mm, when he yeah. played left back yeah, scored a wonder goal was incredible um, so yeah I mean it's it, it's a good option if you if you want to play um, Jan there and keep uh, Sanchez and Toby I mean as I said I think Toby and Jan are our best partnership but I'm, I'm more than happy if Jan becomes a left back because he's a good defender uh, and that's his first thought as well and while he's good at going forward and getting forward and hitting great crosses in and scoring goals. His first priority is that he's a defender. So, yeah, I have no problem with that. No no problem whatsoever. He's a, he's a super left-back as well. He's, he's actually probably our best left-back. <laughs> That's not a reflection of Danny and uh, Ben, because if, if Jan's in the middle, but Toby's a world-class footballer who can play centre-back or left-back equally as good. Well, just on Toby, bring it around to you, John. It was route one stuff from Spurs for that opener as Alderweire lofted the ball upfield and Son passed it first time to Ali, who slotted home. Mourinho fist-pumped Callum Hines, the young ball boy who made all the headlines the other night and was sitting beside him in the dugout to put Spurs ahead, John. It's a lovely goal. I think up to that point, we struggled to create anything clear-cut. As you know, as I said, that was our first shot on target. But, yeah, you see, you see Toby have a look and you see that angled run-in from the left by Son and it was delivered perfectly by Toby in the touch. I'm not convinced that was the pass by Son, by the way. I think he wanted to get on the end of his own touch there. But um, Delhi was there right on cue. And yeah, 1-0, lovely goal. And it was uh, it was greatly appreciated by us in the Paxton yesterday. Lovely goal. Yeah. And just on Delhi's goal, I don't know if you saw the post-match interview, Lee, with Mourinho. He said, you know, in terms of Delhi, he's playing really, really well. I couldn't ask any more from him. He's playing amazing, scoring goals, assisting, working fantastic. And he says, for me, Delhi Ali is not a midfielder. He needs to be playing where he is, right behind Harry Kane. Do you think, in a way, that withdrawn role he's played over the last kind of six to 12 months, is that the reason why we haven't seen the best of Delhi? It seems since Mourinho's come through the door, he's pushed him right up just behind Kane. And now we are seeing the real mm. Delhi Ali. Yeah, I mean, the, the short answer to that is yes. Um, he is playing right up there. He is getting in them box. He's making them runs. I mean, that, that goal he scored yesterday was reminiscent of the goal Eric Dyer pinged uh, against Chelsea when we beat him 3-1. Was it, I can't remember, was it last season or season before? Um, and he pinged with the outsider's boot and Delhi got on, a, a, got on the end of that and, and scored. 
um, them long balls or them uh, they're long balls they're long passes they're very good passes as well by the way it's a perfect pass uh, for Delhi's uh, second goal um, and you know he, he can't score them goals if his line is at, you know 10-15 yards deeper in the pitch so yeah I absolutely think that I think it is, it's given him an, uh, the option as well and you can see I, I tweeted uh, after the West Ham game like, people smiles on their f- and I, I, I know sometimes I maybe I'll get carried away but having smiles on people's faces and you know enjoying it I said a couple of uh, couple of months back didn't we Rick on, on one of the shows you know we don't seem to be celebrating goals like players on the pitch you know we're scoring but we're not really celebrating but that's all back everyone's happy he's scoring he's free flowing I think he was magnificent again yesterday, and uh, long may it continue because, you know, De- Delhi. Whenever anybody criticises Delhi, I always kind of like stick up for him because when you watch him live, he's he's an unbelievable player. You know, like if you watch him kind of player cam or whatever it used to be on Sky, but if you watch him live and just watch what he does, his movement, how he pulls the balls around. Um, I, I, there was a there was a fellow behind me at the Olympiacos game. And uh, he, I think Delhi tried a flick and a trick, and he was like, "Oh, berating him! Why are you trying that?" And I'm thinking, but if you don't try that, you'll never, you, it never come off, and therefore exactly. yeah. you'll just be a standard player. Do you get what I mean? That's what makes Delhi a good player. And long way to continue. I think it's been magnificent. Yeah, and Mick Delhi, the score of that goal, well after Son's touch, but Alderweireld was really the architect there. A lovely ball over the top of Bournemouth's defence. Do you feel in a way, Mick, we have kind of stripped it back? to basics in terms of some of our football in play because it's a bit more pragmatic. We can go long with kind of stop the balls coming from out the back. It's a change of style with Mourinho. It's a bit more simplistic. Does that suit the players, do you think, to a degree? Well, first of all, I don't think it's route one football. I think it's an absolutely... You know, if defenders want to defend a bit high and you get midfielders like Deli Alley running in behind your defence or Son, a long pass. Oddle was the best in the world at playing them. You know, a long pass in behind the defence into someone's run. Actually, great football. One, it gets the opposition wary of pushing up a little bit higher because they know they've got someone who can ping that pass in and they know they've got people running behind them because they're giving them the space to run. So that might make them drop deeper, which then gives you midfield more space to play. But um, as a, a go- as the goals, the goals were quite stunning, I thought. In in both goals, it was two unbelievable passes from, from Toby. I agree. I thought Son con- tried to control it. Uh, and it went into uh, into Delhi's run, but Delhi was magnificent. And Delhi's at his best when he's making those runs in behind defences. Uh, and Toby's at his best when Delhi's making the runs in behind <laughs> the defence because he's got a wonderful range of pass. So it was great football. Uh, I, I sort of don't think that we've changed our style too much. Yes, of course, we've uh, adopted a different style from when our goalies got the ball, which was probably needed. Um, at times we play, I don't know why we get our, had our two centre-backs making angles from the goalkeeper four yards away from them. Um, for me, it just invited the opposition to pressure so high that if they win the ball, they score. Um, so if they're pressing, we bypass them and then we play from there. Um, and I'm a purist. I want the beautiful game. But hey, there's nothing not beautiful about our two goals yesterday. They were both sensational goals and both great passing goals. I heard on Match of the Day last night, it was like Route 1, and I thought, do you know what Route 1 is? That is nothing like Route 1. It's a fantastic through ball from Toby into someone's great run, a slight miscontrol into someone else's great run, and it's in the back of the net, and then the next one was the same. Two wonderful goals, but great footballing goals, not Route 1. Understand what Route 1 is. Passing isn't Route 1. 
and that's the last time I ever say Route 1 in front of Mickey Hazard. <laughs> exactly. Uh, John, you know, most take-ons, most recoveries, most shots, most shots on target, most goals from Delhi Alley. I mean, it has been almost a revitalised version of this Delhi, and I think all of us firmly believe that the talent was there. Munoz brought it back out of him. How has he done it, John, for you? Well, I think it's, as Mourinho said after the game, when he, well, as you just mentioned, you know, he's, he's got him closer to Kane. He's like a, I don't know, like a nine and a half, maybe, where he's not playing in midfield, he's not playing up front, but he's there. In the, he's just got a knack, hasn't he? Like, what what really, I think the, the first thing I thought when Mourinho was appointed is that if he can get a tune out of Delhi, then we could have another Frank Lampard on our hands, obviously, at, at Tottenham, not at Chelsea, but in as much as you can have a player that, <clears throat> he's not a striker, but he can get close to 20 goals a season because he's got the freedom to, to do what he done so brilliantly yesterday, Delhi. And I, think, I honestly think it's all to do with confidence because I didn't think Delhi was playing as bad as some people were saying for the, for the majority of the season. I just think it was the players around him, <clears throat> the majority of those players, weren't confident enough to play their normal game and therefore he, he the opportunities weren't being presented to him. I just get a feeling like a month ago, Toby wouldn't have tried those passes. And as, as, as easy as it is to say, oh, well, there's every chance Pochettino would, would have won these last three games. He might well have done. Obviously, we'll never know the answer to that. But you've got a group of players there that just seem so revitalised. You, you know, Aurier's been superb this week. Sanchez has been very, very good. Delhi has been the one who seems to have benefited the most from Mourinho's arrival and long may it continue, mate. I mean... We've all known for so long how much of a fantastic footballer Deli Ali is, and when of course, yeah. You know, when he's really on it as well, you, you can, he's just he, he's just a perfect player for, for our club. He, he was born a Tottenham player. That's how <laughs> I look at Deli. I just think every time I see him, he's just he fills me. Just I just love the bloke so much, and he's just he's just a great player, and he's showing it at the minute, and that is important for probably those who are making noise from outside the club beforehand about. You know, he's not the same player. Last season, he had a lot of injuries, and he did. To be fair, he came back from the World Cup with no pre-season, and he had a few muscular problems. I'm just hoping that this time now he's got, you know, that wasn't a problem. He had a summer off, and now he's got a manager that knows how to get the best out of him. Although I'm not saying Poch didn't, but in the last few months, I don't think he did. And uh, we've got we've got a world-class world beater on our hands who's involved in everything good that Tottenham Hotspur has done this week. It's we have indeed. Yeah, we have indeed. You don't feel it'll be too long before England start calling his name again. I think as much as Tottenham fans probably want to see him continue this great form and not rushing back into that England squad. But again, for that second goal, it was the old Toby Adeverald ball into the path of Ali routine. The midfielder chipped it over the diving keeper beautifully. Three goals and two assists now in the Marino era for Delhi. And that old combo, as we mentioned, Adeverald, long ball to Ali. Great touch, strength and finish. He really is back ahead of a crucial period for Tottenham. What we're going to do, we are going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we're going to discuss VR drama once again in two isolated incidents. We're going to discuss Muta Sissoko scoring for Tottenham after 95 appearances since his last goal. And look ahead to that huge game to come against Manchester United at Old Trafford on Wednesday. Don't you go anywhere. We are going to be back after this very short break. Lee, two separate VAR incidents to talk about, or one maybe non-VAR incident, but the first one we saw Spurs get a second goal at the time ruled out for a handball against Davinson Sanchez, who lashed it home, despite the Tannoy announcing the goal, it was ruled out for handball. 
correct decision for you? Do you know what? I'm still not sure. I mean, I was at the other end. Of the, I was in the wall yesterday, so I didn't see it live properly. What, what I will quickly say about the VAR is in the, in the best stadium in the world, the most technology-advanced stadium in the world, none of us in the crowd knew what the hell was going on with that Sanchez check. It didn't even come up on the screens. It didn't even come up that VAR was checking it. So it was a very, very strange situation with that. When he lashed it in the back of the net, like you say, the, the stadium announcer is, is saying, yeah, you know, we've uh, we, we've scored Sanchez, whatever. That's what was on the screen. So it was like, Sanchez, yeah, let's get involved. And then it, obviously it was ruled out. You see the ref putting the, his arm to his ear and all that jazz and, and off you go. I, I've seen, I've watched it back a couple of times. Maybe I'm just, you know, still a little bit hungover or whatever from yesterday. But I, I still, I still don't think that was a clear and obvious decision. Um, you know, to me, it looked like it kind of hit his hip, but, but and then maybe hit his arm, and, and maybe that's why they've given it because regardless if it hits the arm, you know, that's the new rule. But you know, if Sissoko can be given a, a handball in the, in the Champions League final, then obviously that's nailed on handball, isn't it? Agree, and Mick. What are you making of VAR? You know, for you, uh, you know, planning your day and you look at it now, are you slowly starting to come around to this VAR? Would you rather it be gone? I mean, it looks like it's here to stay. What's been your thoughts of it recently? Is, have you, is it kind of winning you round or not particularly? The last word on Spurs panel is based in the UK. And of course, all of us support our beloved Tottenham Hotspur, which play in the Premier League which can prove to be a problem as the Premier League rights are actually not shown here in the UK. But this season, we've discovered something very, very interesting that we want to bring to your attention. And that is being able to watch every single Premier League game for a fraction of the normal cost. And it's called ExpressVPN. And this is basically how it works. The BPL offers the Premier League Pass, which lets you stream games online. But if you live in the US or Canada, it doesn't let you watch all of them. Some of the games are blacked out. So what do you do? You can fire up ExpressVPN and use it to change your location to a different country. Buy and use the Premier League pass from there and boom, no blackouts. And depending on the country, the NBA League pass could cost less than 15 bucks for a whole year. ExpressVPN works on your computer, phone, router and consoles like an Amazon Fire Stick. So you can watch all the games from any device you have. Even when you're not watching Premier League football, you can still have ExpressVPN on 24-7 because it also encrypts all data, keeping it safe from the hackers. You can enjoy up to 1,230 games of the Premier League season in HD with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. You can call to action this today by using a special link to get three months free of ExpressVPN. So just simply go to ExpressVPN. Dot com slash Spurs, after which you can sign up for the Premier League at a huge discount. That's expressvpn.com forward slash Spurs for three months free with a one-year package. Don't miss out now. No, can't stand it. <laughs> can't stand it. I think it destroys the game. Um, they, you know, if it's a clear and obvious decision, it should be made in 10 seconds. Yet it can take up to four and five minutes. Now, if you broke down any piece of action within a game and looked at it for four minutes, you'd find a foul or, or something to give a free kick for. Um, if you look yeah, at I 100% it, agree with that. It's absolutely ridiculous. They should have 25 seconds to make a decision. And if they haven't made it within 25 seconds, play on. It's ludicrous. It's an absolute joke. It's destroying 
the emotion of the game, it's destroy it's destroying and most of the time it gets the decisions wrong. It's brought in, you know, the, I don't think it should be used for opinion based decisions anyway. Mm. That should be the referees and the referees only. Yeah. It should be used for facts based decisions. Facts that are clear for the for the video to see, it's clear for the fans to see that this is a mistake. Now, I don't think a, a hair is offside. For me, they have to change the rule that if your feet are onside, your body's onside. Uh, because it's it's pathetic the drawn lines up to a, to a fingernail, for God's sake. It's absolute crap. If your feet are onside, you're onside. Because you ultimately yeah. it's your feet that generally I, I think it's a load of a load of crap and, and, and being and if we are gonna be stuck with it, then it should be used correctly. Opinions are all the rest. That's my that's my opinion. Mm. Not that we don't need VR for, for to make an opinion based decision. Blatant and ball blatant is it over the, I mean look, there's no problems with the goal line technology, is there? Because it's based on fact. Nobody ever complains about the goal line technology, does it, do we? No. But no. the VAR is absolutely rubbish. No, I think the actual technology itself is obviously very good, but it's it's the people that are using or the rules that are based around that technology that's the issue. You know, yeah. for example, offside is offside then you know if it's a hair if it's a toe whatever like you say it's an opinion and, and I, I actually quite like that that idea that you know you've got 20 seconds or 25 seconds or whatever because the reality is when 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 there's a decision taking four or five minutes and you're in the crowd and we were there we were there yesterday in the crowd and you didn't have a clue what was going on you're waiting for four or five minutes the other thing as well it gives the other team a boost it's like them scoring a goal. If the decision yeah. goes against you, all of a sudden... And we had that early in the season, didn't we, lads, with, with the Leicester game away. We're 1-0 up. Son's... Well, he's onside, but he's offside, according to VAR. Oh, he smashes that goal, and we go 2-0 up. All of a sudden, it's four or five minutes of faffing about. And then, ultimately, it gets ruled off. And then Leicester up, towels up. That's like they've scored a goal. Five minutes later, Ricardo goes and scores. Pereira goes and scores. And you think... It's like a double whammy, isn't it? I just... It needs to be sorted out, factual decisions only, and then and then keep the technology. Other than that, opinions got to go, right? Mm. No, I hear what you're saying there. And, and interesting, John, another incident in that game, with a classic kind of clutch chest as if winded after a clear handball. It was a big shout. Delelli's low cross, it hit Steve's hooked hand, he slid into a change in the box. There didn't seem to be a VAR check there, John, from what we could tell. Again, could that one have gone Tottenham's way? Well, yeah, I think it should have done. As Lee said, it was all, all over the place yesterday. You know, we had no idea that they would the only reason we knew they were checking Davinson Sanchez's goal is because the referee was stood on the edge of Bournemouth's box for a minute or so with his finger in his ear. And I think that, it, you know, we've said all along that the one thing that needs to happen is that they need to be transparent about what is happening because my biggest gripe with VAR at the moment <clears throat> is that it all is, you know, it's like it, it seems to me like all it's doing is adding to the drama of watching it on the TV. I'm sorry, but that's wrong. It, the first and foremost, the people who need to know what's going on more than anyone are those who have paid good money to go into the ground and, who, you know, they need to know what's going on. It's not about creating drama for TV. That's wrong. Football is not a TV show. And that's what it seems to be doing, in my opinion, is, is just trying to give, give it some extra subtext, which makes it a little bit more exciting to watch. Well, we don't need that. But all I would say about the Sanchez one, you know, we know the rule that if the ball hits any part of the arm, whether it's accidental one, the build-up to a goal, then it has to be chalked off. And to be fair, <clears throat> we'd have lost 3-2 away at Manchester City if that rule wasn't followed up properly. So that I've got no problem with. It did hit him on the arm, so therefore they've, they've chalked it off. But my biggest 
biggest problem with this is, like I said, it's just about the transparency. You've got, you, we need to know what's going on. There's the four biggest screens I've ever seen in that stadium. There's every opportunity to let us know what's going on. But all we're having to just guess by looking at the referee's body language. That's just not good enough. I don't like it anyway. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have bought in. I think that, you know, the, the human element of football is, is probably what makes it the game it is. Because I know it was said at the time, oh, we need something to chat about with our mates, you know, on the way home and stuff. But there's some of that's true. I, I, I understand that point of view. But it's just, it's killing the excitement. Because I'll be perfectly honest, when the second goal went in, Delhi's second goal, I didn't react in the way I did to the first one. Because of the way I saw him bring it down, I thought, well, that's handball straight away. But I was wrong. Obviously, Delhi's better, better with his chest than I give him credit for. But that is the problem here. We're scared to celebrate. Because we celebrated 2-0 yesterday and then the Bournemouth fans start giving it next to us because it's been ruled out and we look like a bunch of mugs because we've celebrated a goal that didn't count. But we, as I said, we, we didn't know what was going on. There just needs to be more clarity to, to every decision. And it was a handball yesterday by the kick. It clearly was. And then he's laying there clutching his belly like he's been kicked in the guts. And that kind of play acting, shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to get away with it anymore. But players are still doing it. If it ain't ever going to be perfect, then scrap it. Because referees weren't perfect either in the first place. And mm. we've not got rid of them yet, have we? So, <laughs> for me, scrap it. Well, let's talk about a guy that will be bringing the excitement to the table. We've waited a long time to say this. Muta Sissoko back on a Tottenham Hotspur score sheet. Lee, after 95 appearances later, he finally has his next goal for the club. Son curled in a beautiful cross and he volleyed it back across the keeper into the far corner. 3-0. And the stadium, Lee, as you all know from being there, was absolutely rocking. It's rocking, and uh, I think it, that was part of the sonic boom I see on, on social media talking about. Uh, there was a sonic boom going off. This is Soko scoring for the first time in ninety games. Uh, it was it was a great finish. I think actually, if he if he hadn't hit it, I think all they would have fancied his chances after scoring uh, in midweek himself because he was just behind him. Um, it was a free flow move again, and, uh, and 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 to be fair, you know, Bournemouth at that point they'd had a few chances in the game and so on and so forth. But to go three 0 up, like like. The boys have already said that. We were cruising at that point. Um, at the back of the net, massive sounds of old moose to Sissoko ringing around the stadium. Absolutely fantastic. And pleased for him because, you know, he got our player of the season last year. Um, you know, the, the fans vote to, to, to get a goal in a, in, a, in a game where, to be fair, should have put the icing on the cake, which I suppose it ended up being a winner, didn't it, really, in the end. Um, was uh, was a, was really nice to see, and again, John's mentioned this maybe three or four times tonight. That's what's running through the team now, and that's what we needed: wins, get confidence, players start playing with a little bit more freedom, winning games, points in the bag. You know, you, you mentioned it, Ricky. All of a sudden, we've you know we're only six points behind Chelsea, who by by the way was already qualified for the Champions League in I think it was October. I don't think that ever happens, but I think that's what most fans were saying. And, and now we're only six points behind them. And I just want to ask Mickey, you know, as a legend in a game yourself, how big is confidence? Because you know, in business, in what I do, confidence is massive. And if you if you're low, then you know your performances, I suppose, you know, your results show that. And you know, is that the same in you know elite level sport? One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, when I coached the kids at Tottenham. I used to say to them, listen, guys, confidence. I said, don't let, don't let your confidence be affected by praise. I said, don't let it be affected by criticism. I said, your confidence has to be there and your belief in yourself has to be there, come what may. Because throughout your career, you'll be criticised and you'll be praised, sometimes equally, sometimes more, more uh, criticism. And when you want it to affect, affect your performance, 
Um, you know, there's a great poem, eh, if, and it says, don't let success failure affect who you are. And that's absolutely spot on. You have to have an inner belief within yourself. Uh, and I always talk about Glenn Odell when I, when I talk about confidence because Glenn Odell would try to hit the Hollywood ball 10 times out of 10 that he had the, had the ball at his feet. Now, he was the best passer of the ball that I've ever seen. I don't know if any of you saw him play, but he was incredible. Um, but there'd be games whereby he actually couldn't hit a bond door. Did he stop doing it? No. He kept going and going. And I guarantee you that on the 10th time, after nine failures, he put the ball on a sixpence and would score. And that confidence is, is it, it, it's, a, it's a, a form of belief that says, look, I don't, I don't care. The only time I really fail is when I stop doing what I want to do. You know, um, so if Glenn Love allowed it. himself to stop trying those worldly passes, those Hollywood passes, we might never have got that goal, you know, but he never, ever stopped. Come up, mate. And that's what made him such an unbelievable footballer. If you watch Messi, Messi or Ronaldo, they never let a, 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 a bad miss or a bad pass affect the way they play because they realise they have an inner belief that says, I'm a top, top draw player, whether I hit a bad pass, miss a sitter or not, I'm still a top draw player. And that's how everybody who approaches the game should approach it. Because, you know, I look at Ericsson at this moment in time, who's a, a very, very, very good footballer. But he looks so short of self-belief and confidence at this moment. You know, and, and, uh, and what it's did is it's actually made it look like he's not actually trying as hard as he was because of all the transfer speculation um, and, and his comments that he made to the press. But in actual fact, to me, it just looks like a player who's totally lost confidence and, and really can't do the things that he's great at. You know, whereas, you know, you put Ericsson, you, you allow him to score two goals and make two assists with, with 25 minutes to go. You watch that last 25 minutes. He will be unbelievable because he's gained his confidence back. You know, so it's it's more confidence than a lack of effort. I see him running around. It's massive, isn't it? Confidence is massive in every in any walk of life. You know, if you if you if you want to stand up and do a speech in at a dinner, you have to stand up there and believe that I'm really good. And even if they're not laughing or or they're not even they're talking amongst themselves, you have to stand up there like you are good at what you do and you know what you're doing. Um, because if you stand up there uh, and go all feeble because they're talking while you're t speaking, then you're going to lose belief, lose confidence, and then you're going to come over as being a rubbish speaker. Uh, and football's no different. Mm, yeah, uh, sure. And I'm sure every, you know, even radio presenting, you know, Ricky Sachs, for instance, if he loses confidence during the show because he feels it's not going as well as he wants it to go, <laughs> he's now going to deliver a bad show. You know, um, and it's important that you remain confident despite what's going on all around you. That way, you can that, stay a good footballer. That, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm optimistic about our season's chances. So just hear me out here, guys, and, and listeners as well. Because at the moment, for me, Leicester are playing really well, right? They, they've got a young side, full of energy. They remind me a little bit of kind of, you know, the season that we were chasing them when they ultimately end up winning it. Um, and, you know, they've got fresh legs, a lot of pace, they've got energy and so on and so forth. And, and, you know, at this moment in time, it could have been different to this evening, it could have been nine points, but as it stands, we're 12 points behind them. But what gives gives me, um, you know, that, that, that kind of hope, I suppose, or, or, or confidence is that 
it only takes one or two games for them to lose, like Chelsea have just done, and how are they going to bounce back? And Chelsea are a massive situation now where they've lost two on a bounce. If they go and lose another game on a bounce, and then, you know, midweek, games are coming thick and fast, a week's a long time in football, all of a sudden that confidence starts to drain out of them. So it has the reverse effect. And we don't know if these younger players or the players that he's now bringing into the side Lampard or again in Leicester how are they going to cope with that and and therefore that, that again for, from us from a Spurs perspective of course because that's that's always my perspective is that I think we can go and pounce on that and I think Jose knows that sort of stuff I think that's you know with an experienced manager coming in he had no hesitation of taking this, this job on because he can see how good how talented our squad is and all he needs to get back as we've been talking about and John you've mentioned loads as well is that confidence and all the stuff that you've just talked about I just think that's what it is. And if you can get these guys playing with a bit more confidence, all of a sudden the results will come. And and, and that's proven, isn't it, Ricky, over last week? Well, it is, Dan. I think, like you say there, you know, three wins and look how much more happier we feel, at, you know, doing the shows and just generally the fans at the moment. It's a really buzzy place to be at that new stadium currently. And John, just back to Sissoko for a second. We've got a question in here. This is from Paul Goggy who says 24 hours, 48 hours ago, we figured that there was no place for Sissoko in this first team. Now he seems undroppable. What are your thoughts on him going forward? And it's an interesting point, John, because with Sissoko, he really had to prove hard to maybe change the the, the thoughts of Maurizio and maybe the fan base. And now with Mourinho coming in, it feels like he may have to go kind of back again from square one and prove himself to be good enough for that first team. Do you think Sissoko does have a place in this team for Mourinho? I think he definitely has a place in the 18 every match day, but time will tell. I think if you consider the three match selections that we've seen from Mourinho so far, it seems to me that he considers Sissoko to be a bit of a Swiss army knife, if you like, in as much as he's, he's versatile. And I think that, unfortunately for him, that the versatility he showed when he first came, you know, does he play on the right? Does he play in the middle? Does he play a bit further forward, a bit further back, maybe? that probably held him back in as much as he didn't seem to have a specialist position. But then he, he ends up starting the Champions League final for Tottenham in central midfield. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts, really. But for him, I think that the most important thing is every time he gets on the pitch, he just needs to play well. It's as simple as that. I know he's, he's 30 years old. He's got 50-odd caps for France. He's a good footballer. He always has been a good footballer. But it took us a while to find a, a, a position or a solution for him where he can show that week in, week out. I think yesterday was a bit surprising that he sort of came in for Lucas Moura. I think his, his remit was slightly different to what to how he would have seen Lucas play from the start. He's not going to be high up on the right, hugging the touchline, you know, moving inside for Aurier to overlap. But then he did do that in parts of the game. Obviously finished the game um, more central but after Lucas had come on, but the thing is, he's, he's a good player in so many different positions that he, he, he changed the way he played throughout the game. And that's really important for a, for a manager to be able to call upon. He starts off playing a little bit more offensive. He ends up playing a little bit more defensive. But what I would say is for all the, all the great work that he did do during the game, I thought he was going to have undone it by headering that pass backwards towards Callum Wilson in the last very last seconds. Because I tell you what, if, that, if it had ended up 3 all, no one would have been talking about this goal. No, no, it's fair. I mean, listen, he's got a, he has got a place in the squad for sure, but I don't think he's going to be a regular starter under Mourinho. No, I don't. I mean, time will tell because Mourinho used Soko in his old position on the right side of a free behind the striker. He offered protection to Oria, who's basically 
a right winger with Spurs in possession. Now, we went 3-0 up. I think at that point, we were all getting carried away thinking this could be 4 or 5. And Mick, we were brought back down to earth because there's a lovely free kick from Harry Wilson that went straight into the top corner. And, you know, suddenly, from being 3-0 up, cruising, we're slightly being nervous, Mick. I mean, what did you make of that? I mean... How can we stop shipping these late goals? We've got a load of questions in here. Richard Green says, what are we going to do with this defence? Way too many goals being shipped. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and certainly from positions of real, real strength. And, and I'm certain that Mourinho will be doing something about it. You know, his comments on Match of the Day last night in his interview was, you know, we started slow in the first 15 minutes. And then in the last 15 minutes, um, we were poor as well. Um, so it's something that needs to be addressed. But, um, you know, you're 3-0 up, game's won. You don't really be neat. neat. You're going to score goals anywhere you're 3-0 up. The opposition are throwing bodies forward. Um, you don't really need to attack in any way, shape or form your full-backs. So you can sit them a bit, bit deeper. You know, the game's won. And then from there you play, um, you start to say, OK, let's, Let's let them throw their bodies forward. If you're 3-0, then you've got to take a gamble. So they throw bodies forward. That leaves lots of spaces at the back. Um, so let's be solid defensively. They're throwing bodies and then we'll break quick. You know, you become that sort of uh, hit and run team. You let them throw their bodies at you and then you hit them on the break. And we're great at doing that as well. So in, and it, actually, at times, we look a better uh, team when we're, we're breaking. Um, so I don't know why we keep throwing our fullbacks forward. We get bodies forward. We get this. You get that, and 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 under Poch at times it was, wow. When we're winning with like five minutes to go, and we're we're chucking bodies forward, and we're playing thirty-four passes across our box, and you you you, you know you're winning. Let, let's manage the game better. That's something that we have to learn, um, and I'm certain it's with Mourinho's experience that's what he's going to pass on. Uh, but ultimately, the players are on the pitch. They should. They're all experienced players now. They're no longer kids. They've got to see for themselves that, OK, Danny, Danny Rose or, or Vitonian or whoever's left back, who's ever right back, OK, I'm just going to sit a bit deeper. I'm not going to get beyond the, the, the wide players. I'm going to sit deep. The centre midfielders go, right, I'm going to sit deep. I'm going to leave it to Arison and Delhi to score. You know, um, it's just game management. Be sensible. Um, be solid. Nothing away. Uh, keep the ball and your chances will come at the other end. But none will come at your end. And that's what we need to address. Yeah, and it was alarming, just bringing it around to you, Lee, how Spurs faded because we saw Harry Wilson score again as he was given oceans of space to fire home and make it 3-2 after a brief VAR check it was given. And then Nigel Hudson says here, considering six goals in three games, largely that last 10 minutes is a really worrying stat. Who should Spurs be looking at to try and improve that area of the defence? Well, I think we talked about earlier um, in the show, really. Um, you know, it's that consistency. I completely agree with with John and, and Mickey, what we talked about earlier, with the lack of rotation, or we should be rotating. Rick, you know, we've banged on about this on the Love Shows uh, uh, so many times from last season, the amount of different interchanges between right-back, left-back, centre-back partnerships. We have three goalkeepers that have played in the first month of last season. Um, you know, all that sort of chopping and changes. So it needs to be stability. So I think that will come with time. I think that the game management piece is, is, is always been, I suppose, our Achilles heel. You know, we're our own worst enemy, you know. And again, the, the, the Harry Wilson free kick, look, fantastic free kick, right? Very good. 
but there's no reason for Tunga Ndombele to give that free kick away. He just pushed him right inside. He, did, he didn't need to push him. He did not need to just stand him up there. There were a lot of defenders there. There was, a, there was no danger, but he gave a silly free kick away. And again, our own downfall. And, and, I, and I'll probably leave this. I haven't got my stats book with me uh, right now, Rick, to be fair. But, but I have done a load of research on all of the goals, like literally every single goal that we've conceded not just this season, but this calendar year. And when you look back on why they've been conceded, 90% of the goals conceded have been due to a poor mistake or poor decision from our own players. And it sometimes feels like you get to the last kind of five, 10 minutes of a game. And we're kind of, I don't know, like we're in panic mode. It's kind of just calm down, guys. Like, don't worry, it's okay. A little bit like the... 2-0 down at Olympiacos, you know, within 19 minutes at home, we could have panicked. But because there was so much time left in the game, that kind of allowed us to get back into it, of course, and stating the obvious. But actually, when in the last five, ten minutes of the game, there's not much time left. And he pings that ball in. All of a sudden, it's 3-1. And look, cliche as it comes, but goals change games, don't they? All can of I just a sudden, interrupt you, for a second? Yeah, of course you can. Of course. Okay, so, so, so the game management thing something that's been going on for quite a while. I mean, if you look back to the Manchester City uh, quarter-final of the Champions League, for instance, uh, we're through, uh, what, 30 seconds to go, and Ericsson is trying to play. Yeah. You know, row Z, hit the corner flag, up. someone should be telling, look, there's 30 seconds to go, get it in row Z, get it down the other end of the pitch. And he's trying to play, he loses the ball, and bang, they score. Luckily for us, VAR stepped in and helped us on that occasion. But that's game management. That's knowing, right, 5, 10, 20 seconds to go, get it down the other end of the pitch whack it into the touchline, put it in Rosette, but don't try and play there. That's game management. It doesn't mean, you, you know, 20 minutes to go, maybe try and keep the ball because when you've got it, you're on the attack. But with 20 seconds to go, it's get it away from your goal. Thankfully, Bar saved us on that. So this is a problem that's been ongoing for quite a while. It's not just happening this season. Um, it's been going on for a quite a while and it's something that if we are going to achieve what this squad of players should achieve... It's something that has to be addressed very quickly. You do think, though, Mick, with a manager or the head coach, I say, that we've got in charge, he will not allow for these continuous errors to be made because this man is a winner, serial track record, wherever he's been, he's won trophies. If these players aren't good enough, Mick, we know this man, that he will go and buy players in. That will be, surely, won't he? Well, I'll tell you something about Jose. What's really pleased me about his appointment was, one, he's had a break from the game, so he's recharged. Two, he's come back on the charm offensive. You know, when he was at his very best as a manager, he was very charming. He was very lovable. You know, there's lots of people thought what a great addition to the Premier League he was. Um, over the last sort of couple of seasons of his tenure, particularly since the, the doctor affair at Chelsea, he sort of lost a lot of his charm as such. Um, but now he seems to have it all back. Um, he seems really motivated. And I'm certain that he will have this... Um, He'll know all about the problems, what's happening in the last 10 minutes. He will be addressing these problems, and I guarantee that um, he hasn't signed for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club with no guarantee of being able to spend money. Mm. So there'll be, I'm certain there'll be new players coming in in the January window um, that if the players don't address um, the, the, our frailties that's going on at this moment in time defensively, um, he'll bring someone in, not a doubt. Mm. John, must be said, a brilliant tackle from Jan Vertonghen right at the death of that. Surely earned Tottenham Hotspur all the three points. That was the Rolls-Royce back at its best for that challenge in particular, John, wasn't it? 
Uh, it was unbelievable. When Wilson was through, I'm, I'm thinking, here we go. We've blown a 3 0 lead. We're going to get a point out of this. But yeah, Super Yang come through like a steaming train and done what he does best. I think he was he was very good yesterday. I thought he, that um, new left back role, if you like, where you're not expected to go forward as much. It suits Jan Bertongan because he's a very good defender, like Nicky said. Earlier on, he's probably the, the best defensively of the three who can play in that position at the club. So maybe we've found a little niche for Jan there. And I think that going back right to the beginning of the show, what Lee said about the contract levels, I've just got a sneaky suspicion that the two that started yesterday, the two Belgians, might well be signing on the dotted line. But it, obviously, if they I have, agree, I agree. If they <laughs> be mugs not to, let's be honest. They'd be mugs not to. You've got, so, yeah. you've got the best training facilities in the world, you've got the best stadium in the world. You've got the best manager in the world, or the most successful manager in the world, yep. and things are looking incredibly bright for this football club. So any player that wants to leave at this moment in time, then for me, you have to be a bit of a mug. Predominantly, the last word on Spurs panel is based in the UK, and of course, all of us support our beloved Tottenham Hotspur, which play in the Premier League which can prove to be a problem as the Premier League rights are actually not shown here in the UK. But this season, we've discovered something very, very interesting that we want to bring to your attention. And that is being able to watch every single Premier League game for a fraction of the normal cost. And it's called ExpressVPN. And this is basically how it works. The BPL offers the Premier League Pass, which lets you stream games online. But if you live in the US or Canada, it doesn't let you watch all of them. Some of the games are blacked out. So what do you do? You can fire up ExpressVPN and use it to change your location to a different country. Buy and use the Premier League Pass from there and boom, no blackouts. And depending on the country, the NBA League Pass could cost less than 15 bucks for a whole year. ExpressVPN works on your computer, phone, router and consoles like an Amazon Fire Stick so you can watch all the games from any device you have. Even when you're not watching Premier League football, you can still have ExpressVPN on 24-7 because it also encrypts all data, keeping it safe from the hackers. You can enjoy up to 1,230 games of the Premier League season in HD with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. You can call to action this today by using a special link to get three months free of ExpressVPN. So just simply go to expressvpn.com slash spurs, after which you can sign up for the Premier League at a huge discount. That's expressvpn.com forward slash spurs for three months free with a one-year package. Don't miss out now. Mm. I, I agree. I think that's why we're not seeing Ericsson at the minute. <laughs> I, I do believe that he's made his mind up and uh, he's going to go... One thing I would say about, about how Mourinho has begun, I think he, there seems to be an overemphasis, I think, on that defensive midfield position. I don't think we need one. I'll tell you why. We've not conceded a goal when Eric Dyer hasn't been on the pitch this week. So, when he got taken off at 2-0 down against Olympiacos and the midfield was allowed a little bit more licence to move forward, to actually travel with the ball more, to, to create attacking scenarios and I just think that having that player sat in the middle of the park I'm not sure Eric Dyer is the answer but I'm not sure having someone in that position is the answer either because as I said he was on the pitch for the whole West Ham game three going he was on the pitch sorry two going he was on the pitch for the two we can see that against Olympiacos and again yesterday 
And I think that once he gets to grips with his squad, I think that is probably the one thing that we're missing, which is a, a top-class, destructive player. I think we've had one since Wanyama was at his peak when he first come, maybe, or Dembele was obviously good at sitting in there. But I think that what I would say about this squad and how we're going to move forward, regardless of who stays and who goes, is that we're a little bit overloaded in terms of forward-thinking midfield players. I don't think we've got anyone really good enough to sit there Take special attention to Eric Dyer, and he just seems a little bit sluggish at the moment. And that, the fact that we're not we're not using the, the defensive midfielder to drop in as much between the three, so the fullbacks can can bomb on and become wingbacks. A little bit of a different system, and it's taking him time to get used to. I think Mickey's right. We're going to spend in January. And I think the first sign is going to be a, a top top defensive midfielder. Hopefully, it's not the man you match it to. Marine. Yeah, it'd be Matic. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's Kante. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that'd be lovely. Wouldn't it? That'd be lovely. I, I just, I, I've got a slightly different view on that. I don't, I don't disagree with what you're actually saying in terms of that there's a problem, uh, you know, a problem area, or you know, that that part of the pitch isn't isn't quite right. I just think, I just think Eric needs games. I think, I think that you know, sometimes, uh, and, and Mickey, I'll take you out of this because obviously you've been top class uh, professional yourself. Obviously, I've never played football, so um, as a as a professional anyway. But I think as a fan, I, I sometimes expect too much of these players when they're coming back from injury and illness. And he was dogged last year with injury and illness. Uh, you know, and Mick at the top of the show, you talked about, you know, your your um, your operation. Uh, he's had to have his operations and emergency operations with his appendix and all that sort of stuff. And I just, I just wonder, I just think maybe Jose's thinking... I've just got to get him in the team and get him having games. So, so actually, he's almost doing a bit of a pre-season with Eric Dyer now. And, you know, he has in the past been very good for us. And I don't want to be too kind of um, sentimental over it. And I don't think Jose will either. And I agree with you, you know, if he don't think he's good enough, he'd be ruthless and he'd get somebody in. But I do think that Eric Dyer can be a really good defensive midfield player. But maybe I'm being too sentimental. I just think he needs games. 10, 11, 12 games on the trot is is start to to pick back up, maybe. Like back in under false pretenses, like we need a defensive midfielder. But I think one thing that worries me about, about this system is the fact that, as Mickey said earlier about, you know, attack being the best form of defence and keeping the ball and game management. I think we're better off having in there. You, the days have gone by of a cruncher in midfield. You don't need one anymore. You need players who can use the ball well. So for me, it would be, I'd be picking players who are better at using the ball. And I think that Dyer's a little bit further down. And he, yeah, exactly. And Dombele winks. They can all do that job. Mm. And mm. I think that, it, you know, you, you just keep the ball. Then they can't score. It's as simple as that. And I think that's what we need in there at the minute. I'm not sure Dyer's the answer. I'm not sure this... That, that's the only thing I would say about this week so far. I think Mourinho wants someone on there to provide a little bit of insurance and assurance that the, the defence are going to be covered properly. And I, I just don't think he's managed it so far, Dyer. Just on Dyer, he yeah, covered... That's a really good point. Just on Dyer, he covered the most ground during that game at the weekend, 11.91 kilometres and... Again, we had a load of questions in on Dial. We'll just quickly just read these out. Amit Kumar says he looks like a weak link in the team. No dominance in midfield. And that's why we are always looking vulnerable. Again, more points on Dyer. Joan Manique Bache says, does Dyer on, honestly offer us enough to start as a midfielder for Spurs, given his limited abilities? He's slow on and off the ball. His match stats from the last game are bad and does not cover ground anywhere near quick enough in front of our defence. So I think it's fair to say that with Dyer. 
I think he does split opinions at the moment. And Mourinho, to be fair to him, he's been consistent in picking Dyer so far in his selections. And let's look ahead to Manchester United. Big game to come on Wednesday night. Mick, this is probably, no doubt, his biggest test yet as Spurs head coach because there'll be a lot of fans wondering how does he go there does he go there and park the bus or does he actually go there to win if you're Mourinho how do you approach that game at Old Trafford I go to win I think it's a game we want desperately to win um, remember he got the sack um, so he's fired up for this game he'll be going there with a great game plan he'll give this more this game more attention than probably any other game uh, this and the Chelsea game um, you know, as as uh, a manager uh, getting the sack at a club, I guarantee when you go back to the club that sacked you, there's only one thing on your mind, and that's winning. He doesn't want to go there and and put on a park the bus and and, and um, come away with a one nil defeat. He wants to go there and win and win well, playing well. Um, so I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. We've got nothing to fear. Um, we're a lot better team than they are. They've got. A few dangerous players, but generally, I don't think they're a particularly good side. Uh, I hope I don't live to regret what I'm saying. Um, but I think we're a far superior side to these. I think we've got more goal threat. I think we, we've got better players all around the pitch. Um, I, th I think they're a uh, they're an overrated team. They've got decent youngsters, but you know, you win nothing with youngsters without experience helping them, and their experienced players are not that that good. Um, so I, I would go there with every belief and every confidence that we will go there and win. Um, as long as we cope with the mental demands of playing at Old Trafford. Courage and, you know, and confidence, as we've touched on earlier. And if you go there with guts and courage and, and no fear, um, there's no reason why we can't win that game and win it comfortably because I think we're a superior team in every department. Mm. I think it's fair to say, confidence-wise, Spurs at the moment, I mean, they are in full confidence. United, not as much so. They've just seen them draw 2-2 to Aston Villa. Lee, United have now taken just 18 points from their opening 14 league games. That means Solskjaer must guide them to wins in their next three games if they are to surpass the 26 points that Jose Mourinho amassed when he was sacked after 17 games in 2018 19 season I mean it's been a really poor start by what the fans would expect rather than what United have been showing us over the last couple of years for sure and they spent a lot of money I mean record defender did they not spend record amount of money on a defender in in, in Britain 80 million for, for Maguire um, 50 million on uh, on uh, Wan Pasaka, who I know obviously uh, uh, Jason's massive fan of, and we I think we'll probably wanted him at, at Spurs as well. He's a, he's a brilliant right back, and so they spent a lot of money themselves. Um, I think they've conceded something like 16 or 17 goals, I think, in the, in uh, in the league this year, which is actually less than than what we've conceded. Um, and, and and I do think it is a mental thing, like like Mickey just said, going to Old Trafford. The last time we was there in the league, did we not batter him for? nil. So, you know, I think that is a mental thing. Um, most of the time it is with, with elite level sport and all the stuff that we, we, we've been talking about, the confidence bit. But, you know, in terms of momentum and in terms of who's on the upward curve versus the kind of downward spiral, has to be Spurs on the upward curve. Uh, Man United are struggling. They've drawn again today. They've let in another two goals today. Um, and uh, against a struggling Villa side. And, and I think Marino, to answer your question before about will he go to a part of the bus, I don't think he will because like what we've been talking about the whole show is that, that actually our, our best form at the moment is coming from 
uh, front four, front five, and that we can go and score goals. So he's got that in his locker. He knows that we can go and score goals at Old Trafford, and defensively, they're not great. The Going the other way, as you put it earlier, Rick was it in the rearview mirror. Rashford worries me because he's he's on fire. Um, he's got pace to burn. Martial all, all, always turns out against Spurs for some reason um, and to see what his selection is. So, uh, you know, going the other way, I think they've got some pace They've got the young lad, James, as well, isn't it? He's been been playing pretty well in terms of pace-wise. So we'll have to be on it in defence. But I can see it being a bit of a, a bit of a goal fest as well. So I don't know when he's short up. I don't know when the them, them, them famous buses that comes out when he starts parking. I don't know when that happened. It might be this game. But we, we cannot lose this game. Like, in my opinion, we've got such brilliant momentum now. We've just put ourselves into a situation where we're six points behind the top four. If we go and beat United, who are kind of... In, in our competition and then move us into the Christmas fixtures where notoriously we do well. This could be a brilliant period for us. And, you know, it's under the lights, Old Trafford, midweek game. Oh, I don't know, it's a tough one. But, you know, I, I think we should go there and, and play our natural game that we've been doing the last last three games. And, uh, and, and we'll see what we come out. I think we'll come out on top. Mm. I mean, we're talking on the back of a really good weekend for Tottenham. Man City drawing, Chelsea losing. I say both Arsenal and Man United also dropping points. I mean, John, in terms of United at the moment, they have won just 18 points in the Premier League this season. Their fewest after 14 games of a top flight campaign since 88 to 89, when they went on to finish 11th in the table. I mean, it has been such a poor start by their standard. John, tell us what your prediction is going to be for this one and how you see it panning out. I think I feel a little bit like I did this. It weren't this time last year. I think it was a little bit earlier in the season when we went there and walloped them, as Lee said, 3 0. I think at that time we had a lot hanging over the clubs. Hugo Lloris had just been done for drink driving. There was, you know, some, we weren't in the best of, in the best of form. You had players who were still look knackered still from the World Cup. And, and then we went and turned in uh, one of the best performances of the season. So it'll go there this time, obviously, more confident in the fact that we've had three, ga- three games on the bounce where we've looked amazing going forward and obviously three wins. I just think that Mourinho could be the deciding factor. I really do. I think if he, he'll know stuff about them players and if he, I've just got a feeling we're going to see an absolute thunderbastard performance from quite a few of our players. They're going to wind them up. Harry's looked angry last couple of games. Dyer's got, you know, he's he's in right in the middle of the pitch if he plays again. He, he He's going to be up for it. And I think that we're going to go there. We will go there confident. They, they won't be as confident. They've had a you know, one day's less rest than us. Although they didn't take any first team player, I don't think, apart from Lingard for their Europa League game last Thursday. So maybe that doesn't play a part. But I, I think it will, and I think that the fact they've had one day less rest, they need they need a result. They've got to get a result, and it's Mourinho. And Spurs are going to win one nil. We're going to keep the clean sheet, and we're going to win one. And they got City. They got City the weekend as well. So they've got the Manchester derby. So they cannot afford to lose this football match. So they're going to be under massive pressure, I think. Well, Chelsea have got um, Aston Villa at home. So Chelsea would be favourites for that game. So we need to keep the... the, You know, we can't allow the gap to immediately Mm. widen after it's just after we've shrunk it. But yeah, I've got every confidence we're going to go there and win. And I think we'll get our first clean sheet under Mourinho as well. I really do. Okay. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Prediction for me, I think you just... Yeah, so um, so a wider prediction would be, I think Pochettino is absolutely nailed on to be the next Man United manager. Like, literally nailed on. I don't think it will happen until close season, but I'm just throwing it out there now. I think he's, uh, he's absolutely nailed on, like most of us probably think. But coming back to the game prediction, I, I'm always Mr Optimistic, and I think it could go either way towards the end, but I do think we concede, and I think we'll probably end up it might be 2-2. I think it'll be a 2-2 draw, to be honest. 
honest. Okay, Mick, last word on Spurs review tonight. What are you going to leave us with, Mick? Well, I think that first 20 minutes of the game is very important. I think that going to Old Trafford, you always have to dampen the crowd spirit. Um, if we can keep it nil-nil and control the play, um, then I think we'll win 3-1. I think we're a better side and we've got better players. So um, I, I have no fear about going there as, as our team. And um, nor should Mourinho. Uh, he, he knows we've got a very good side and very good players. And if our players are at it and handle the pressure of Old Trafford, We'll win 3-1. 3-1. I love the confidence, Mick. I'm going for 2-1. So, between the most of us, we're going for a, a, a confident result. Mick, anything to plug? Any events coming up you want to give a mention to? Not really. They're all sold out. Sold out? Not going well, too bad, Mick, eh? Nice, nice, Mick. I like that. Like that. Yeah, one in March, Chris Waddle, I suppose. That that one's just been put out. So, I've got Christmas dinner, which is sold out. I just did Oddle last week, which was amazing. He sold out in five days. Um, so, Got some magic events coming up, but we've got Chris Waddle in March, which has just gone on the um, on the market. So that would be a great event as well, because he's, uh, you know, you know, Chris Waddle, he's a diamond and he <laughs> lights up the night. <laughs> I think that's oh, yes, I love yeah, the way. What a I way for me to leave that. Fantastic. <laughs> what a positive show. God, it's so great to wear all things up at the moment. The results keep coming. The wins keep coming. Such a great time. Lee, thank you for coming back on. Mr. Positivity. Thank, thanks for having me. And I won't see you on uh, on Avedo, will I, this week? Because it's my wedding anniversary. But yes. uh, I'll be back next week after that for sure. Looking forward to having you back on. John, thank you as always. Pleasure to have you on, John. Oh, lovely. It's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure to be in the company of uh, one of my favourite ever players. I, I, didn't, I don't remember Mickey from the first time round. I weren't born till 85. But that team, 93 to 95, was uh, really where a lot of my earliest memories of supporting Spurs were formed and Mickey Hazard wearing number 16 was a, was a, a very big part of that I just want to if, if you can join in if you like I just want to leave you with St boys he scores when he wants he, he scores, scores when he wants he scores when he wants he scores when he wants he missed it <laughs> it was a cross it was a cross oh dear Mick there'll be plenty more so I goes to hopefully I come for you I think trying to pull it back to Harry <laughs> hey? what a great finish that wasn't it what a great finish it was a brilliant finish I tell you oh dear you don't know how hard that was <laughs> especially from him Mick as well of all the players to be honest with you, he disguised it so well because he was actually meaning to put it in the other corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mick, Mick uh, best of luck with a recovery for you as well, buddy, OK? Yeah, yeah, brilliant to talk much. to you, mate. Mick, thank you for coming back on. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. The brilliant Mickey Hazard there leaving us out. Guys, we are back on Love Sport this coming Thursday to hopefully review four in a row for Mr Mourinho at Tottenham Hotspur. It's been an electric start under Jose. Keep the crazy train going. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.